You are back with the conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. You know, the World Health Organization dubbed 2020 the International Year of the Nurse before we knew anything about the COVID-19 pandemic. It's only fitting that our guests today are here to talk about nursing. Uh, Laura Reichardt is executive director of the Hawaii State Nursing Center. Her background's in community health. She holds a master's in nursing from the University of Hawaii and completed a fellowship at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And Mimi Harris is our other guest. She's the chief nursing officer and vice president of patient care at Queen's Health Systems. Harris is also a UH nursing alum and has held a number of key positions at Queen's, including in gerontology and cardiovascular service. Uh, Good morning, Mimi. Aloha, Catherine. You know, why don't we start out? uh, How did you both get into nursing? Laura? Uh, That's a great question. I am a millennial, so I found myself working in a job that I loved but didn't necessarily have the future that I was looking at. Um, I I wanted to be more responsible to my community. I wanted to have more potential, more economic potential, and I also wanted some job security because it was 2008, 2009 when I started looking for um, new career potentials for me, and I realized that nursing was a really strong choice. It, It met all of the needs in terms of my personal values. I wanted to do something that Uh, helped my community and made my community stronger and healthier and better. Um, I wanted to be in a service profession. And I also wanted to be able to, you know, improve my economic opportunities. And so for all of those reasons, I looked into nursing and I was so grateful to find good nursing programs in Hawaii um, that I, you know, I had some really great options, and I was able to graduate from, I went to UH Manoa um, through their GEPIN program. So I had a bachelor's in something else, and I went into an accelerated one-year program that led directly into uh, graduate education, and so I graduated as a nurse practitioner. And, and what was the climate then when you graduated? It was really challenging. I got my nursing license in 2012, and that was part of, that was probably part of the worst time during the recession. It was very difficult for nurses to get jobs. Uh, I'm very thankful now that the environment is different and I'm happy to be talking uh, (laughs) about that journey that we've taken in our state today. Uh, It was really difficult and I was also really grateful that because I had public health experience as my career background prior, I was able to open doors to new opportunities or different opportunities that um, were specific to nursing but included policy and program design. Um, so kind of merging my, my background with my future. And Mimi, what about you? I mean, you're a veteran uh, over there at Queens um, <laughs> and uh, uh, Europe, you know, UH alum. You know, what is it that you love about nursing? You know, nursing is probably one of the most um, amazing career paths I think that someone can take because of the so many varied options you can take within the nursing uh, pathway. You can work in acute care, you can work in ambulatory, you can work in long-term care, you can work in public health, you can work in um, legislative affairs, moving health care uh, decision-making forward. I mean, the, the opportunities for you as a nurse in terms of what you can do are just um, innumerable. So I think that's number one. But 
I think even more importantly, um, what I love about nursing is that connection with the people you serve, um, the ability to truly uh, shepherd people through what is frequently the most difficult times of their lives and their families uh, journey through that as well. Um, being able to influence people's decision-making about healthcare that influences the rest of their lives. It's just an amazing profession that allows you to uh, make a difference in the lives of people that you serve. And did you think you were gonna end up on the management side? Oh my goodness. So, no. Um, <laughs> Laura the, uh, says she's a millennial. As you mentioned, I'm more on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> I've been in nursing for 44 years, and I started at Queens actually as a nurse's aide um, right out of school or actually in school. So, um, you know, frontline at the bedside, then moved, uh, got my position as a nurse and did that for a number of years, decided to go back and get my master's degree in geriatrics, which at the time, uh, nobody really knew what that field was. In fact, I was the first person at Queens with that title, with that geriatric specialty title, um, and then did that for a number of years and ended up through a variety of ways moving into program uh, implementation, making differences in the model of care that we have at Queens and got invited actually into a management position. So, um, yeah, I would never in a million years as a nurse's aide 44 years ago thought I would be sitting where I am today, but it's been an amazing journey. Well, you know, Laura, um, you know, you're there as the executive director of the Hawaii State Nursing Center. Folks might not know, you know, how that got created. Can you give us a real, you know, thumbnail sketch of what you folks do there? Yeah, Catherine, I'd be happy to. So the nursing workforce centers are created across the country. We have 38 of them in our nation. And it's really important because without nurses, we are hamstrung in doing in providing care. We need nurses. And so it's really important to make sure that we have enough nurses, that they're in the right places, the right settings, that they have the right education, um, that they engage in professional development or professional education throughout their careers, not just when they're initiating their careers by as being nursing students. So it's a really complex environment. In 2003, the initiative started in Hawaii. We were actually passed into state legislature. And at that time, there was a big concern about a nursing shortage in our state and the nation. And so we've been established since 2003 by state law. Nurses actually pay a portion of their license fees, funds the Nursing Workforce Center. And we also have contributions from our schools of nursing and our employer partners like Queens. And through that, through that contribution, what we do is we, we research our nurses and our nursing programs to help understand the environment, and we also identify plans for quality practice and best outcomes, as well as recruitment and retention, so getting nurses into the jobs where we need them. And that makes us um, resilient, and I think COVID right now, we couldn't have a, a more perfect scenario about why we need a nursing workforce center, why we need this robust planning, because we have to ensure that we have enough nurses, not just for the nurses' safety. We don't want them to be overworked and overtired while they're providing patient care, but also for patient safety. We want patients to have nurses who are well-prepared, who are in their communities, who are from their communities, because that provides them a better experience, not just from a cultural perspective, but also from a quality perspective. So it's really, really important to have 
this planning, and we're so happy as the Center for Nursing in Hawaii to be able to provide this resource in general, but also certainly at this time. And you folks um, uh, compile regular reports just you know on the landscape, right? You reach out to, to the we new do. nurses? Yeah, we've been consistently reporting on the state of our nursing workforce since 2007. That's when we did our first report, and we do we survey nurses, so uh, we learn about who they are, what education, what setting, so like hospitals, long-term care, public health nurses, and what specialty, as well as our, um, we also survey our schools of nursing, and so we ask them what kind of nurses are they producing, how many faculty do they have, um, what degree programs are they offering, and through that, and then also working with our employers, we can get this really good picture of do we have enough nurses, do we need to produce more, should we produce less, or do we have the right specialties, do we need new training programs. So it gives us this really robust picture of what we need and what we have. Okay, and then uh, now I know that you folks just compiled the latest report I think from 2018, 19, mm-hmm. on the stats, and uh, you've released that today. Um, what I what I like about this report is that you actually give a breakdown um, county by county, which I think is important because our listeners, you know, are across the state. Uh, but it gives us a good kind of snapshot of where we are and the progress that we've made, you know, over the years. Exactly. So the report that came out yesterday, it was released yesterday, and we're so happy to to have this conversation today, is about our education capacity. So do we have the right number of enrollment? Are we producing the right number of nurses for our state's needs? That's a big conversation that we're always having. Certainly, it's more important in this environment. Um, so we call this report our Hawaii Nurse Education Capacity Survey Report. And it looks at last academic year. So it just we just re- released it. And what we found is that we're actually producing the right number of nursing new graduates each year in this current time frame. And that's so important because we don't want um, to underproduce and then have a lot of vacancies and make a very hard circumstances for our nursing employers, our hospitals, long-term care facilities, et cetera. Um, But we also don't want to overproduce, and then the only place that you can find a job is by leaving the state. Um, And it is also very important that we look at, as you mentioned, not just our statewide data, but by county, because we want to make sure that there aren't regional shortages or surpluses. We want to make sure that everybody is there's, it's right-sized to their community's needs. Okay, and uh, now uh, I'd like to do a, a deep dive on that report. Uh, we are going to have to take a break here shortly, though. This is the first of the month, and we have to do the emergency alert system. Um, you know, and uh, would also, you know, like to get um, Queen's input, just, you know, maybe, I mean, because you were fortunate enough to be able to stay here, you know, in Hawaii throughout your career, uh, you know, you you think you're probably one of the lucky ones. Um, And uh, so we'd like to explore, uh, you know, some of that um, uh, and and also, you know, address some of the issues that we're facing today with this pandemic uh, because, you know, we've heard the call for uh, uh, flying nurses, for the travelers uh, to help meet our uh, need here during this pandemic. 
we also had a call for some of these new nurse graduates to uh, uh, to come and step up and help us out in these uh, uh, healthcare facilities. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I don't know. Just maybe you want to give us a, a, a quick uh, thumbnail, Laura, just on on uh, on this report. Yeah. So I'm going to speak about registered nurses real quickly. Um, Overall, we can say that we have a robust program from LPN, RN, um, at the associate and bachelor's level to APRN. We have every type of program that um, there is to offer, uh, at least at the general nursing level. So we have, we have access to education that our local community members need and, and should have available to them. Um, and then when they graduate, and this is where I'll talk about RNs, 95% of new graduate RNs living in Hawaii are employed, and so they're able to get their first job in nursing, although that does look a little bit different. The jobs they get look different from um, what we can compare to nurses who move to the mainland. Um, But it's promising because we see that nurses are getting jobs in settings that is representative of where care is being, um, care is needed. Okay, well, that's a good thing. We've, we've got those stats. Just want to remind our listeners, this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. If you're just joining us, we're talking about a nursing workforce. What's your story? Are you working in the field, trying to advance your career? We'd like to know what you think. Join the discussion by calling us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Again, it's October 1st, and we're now going to take a pause from our regular programming for a test of the emergency alert system. Welcome back. This is The Conversation. I'm Catherine Cruz. Our guests today are Mimi Harris, Chief Nursing Officer and Vice President of Patient Care at Queens, our state's trauma center, and Laura Reichart, the Executive Director of the Hawaii State Nursing Center. And we've been talking about a new study out uh, by the center talking about the workforce uh, snapshot in the state. And uh, Mimi, you know, you've been there at Queens for a long time. You know, you've probably seen nurses come and go and probably seen a, a lot of your nursing friends retire. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, we go through these various cycles over the years where we have uh, shortages and then we seem to have more than enough uh, nursing support that we need. And I think the work that the Hawaii State Center for Nursing is doing is so critical to our ability to really forecast and plan appropriately. Um, they do an amazing job um, pulling all of the hospitals together and pulling all the schools of nursing together to sort of keep an eye on what are the, what's the demand and then what's the supply and helping us to plan ahead of time in terms of what we need to be preparing for in terms of fulfilling the needs in the future. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it is um, a, a challenge to keep on top of it, but without Hawaii State Center for Nursing's um, help with that, I think it would be even more challenging. Yeah, it's good data to have to help guide decisions that exactly. uh, we have to make. You know, I was looking at an old article from 2008, and back then they had a, is it the, the year before, they had a shortage of uh, close to 1,000 nurses, and they were predicting by 2020 that we, you know, might see a shortage of 2,500 nurses in the state of Hawaii. And that was, I think, a pretty frightening forecast. But I know that the, the hospitals are, are were like, well, you know, how do we tackle this? How do we uh, make sure that it's not 2,500? I don't know what the, the shortage is now. Do you, do you know, Mimi? Um, I, I would say on average we have maybe um, 60 to 70 unfilled positions um, in nursing. And, and the reason for that is not that we don't have uh, new grads to put into positions, but the positions that are posted are positions that often require um, experience and specialty knowledge. So for instance, to be an OR nurse, uh, you can't start that necessarily um, with, without um, having some experience. In our ICUs, we require both experience um, in the specialty. So um, that's where sometimes it's hard, I think, for new grads to be able to get a job right away. They kind of have to get their foot in the door, which many of them are great at doing. They come in as a nurse's aide or as a unit secretary, um, get to know the organization, organization gets to know them, and then when a position opens up for a new grad, um, we're able to move them into those positions. So we, Queens is committed totally to hiring as many new grads as we can because it's our future and we want to keep our um, nurses in, the, in our community um, with their families um, able to provide care for our community. You know, we did have uh, Hilton Rathel from the Hawaii Healthcare Association on and he had, at the time, put out a call for the new graduates to come help because we were seeing a surge with the COVID cases. And uh, so they, they put out a, a, a survey. And, you know, we did hear from a doctor who told us that he knew of recent graduates who were having trouble getting employment. Uh, and he asked us to find out, you know, what were the barriers to getting jobs? Um, we did talk to a recent nurse graduate. Uh, she heard that call for help and the push to get new nurses to apply, you know, during this health crisis. But she was really frustrated because she hadn't heard back. She said most of her classmates moved to the mainland, and she knew another cohort who was working in a long-term care setting. And when she, um, uh, you know, answered the call uh, for the for the uh, um, that the healthcare association put out, she was told that she wouldn't be considered because she already had a job. But here's what Stephanie had to say. They had like a survey monkey that came out for people who were looking for positions for the COVID response. So I did that, but I still haven't gotten a call. And it is kind of frustrating where we need nurses and we have new grads on island who have been waiting for a job and want to get a job and we don't get contacted. And Laura, can you talk about, you know, that 
survey that went out and what kind of response you got? Because I understand that it was tremendous. Tremendous is the right descriptor. Yeah, so the Healthcare Association of Hawaii and the Hawaii State Center for Nursing, we collaborated for this call. And I think it's important to remember the context is that we are in the greatest surge that we have had to date with COVID. Um, We were looking at just incredible demands um, for uh, and, and constraints for our nursing staff as they were responding to the COVID needs. We put out this summary. It, it was exactly right. It's a, it was a, a survey monkey survey, and we were expecting maybe 200 or 300 responses. We got almost 1,900. Um, it was incredible. We had people from the mainland. We had someone from Denmark. We had someone from Brazil. Um, I mean, this was, it went global. What we did, though, is we looked at our highly available nurses first. So we prioritized the list for new grads and for people who are unemployed. And then we provided those lists to the organizations that had needs. Um, I think we can say, thankfully, our COVID numbers have gone down, our hospital cases have gone down, and so that urgent need has also gone down. However, 86 Seven percent. So the vast majority of the organizations who received the file uh, have said that if there's another surge, they're definitely going to be looking at this list to recruit needed nurses. And they also are, are we also, HAH and the Center for Nursing, are receiving um, daily updates from organizations saying, oh, well, I need nurses now, or, oh, my goodness, I think things are starting to um, get more urgent at my facility. Can you help us? And so we are continuing to deploy this list of nurses, um, this file, to, to organizations that have need. So of the people that did apply, um, you know, I mean, were the ones who had jobs just not considered because you wanted to get those ones that didn't have jobs? Right. So we just want to be really careful in this environment that every healthcare organization has nursing needs if they're providing patient care. And so if there's somebody who's already working as a nurse in a field, um, let's say at a nursing home or even for an insurance company, uh, I think there's a, this understanding across organizations. Well, I don't necessarily want to take your nurse to fill my need because then you're going to have a need and it's such a challenging time. And so there, um, there is this caring um, and the sense of caring and sense of responsibility across all of our organizations in the state to say, well, you know, we all have great needs. We don't necessarily want to be creating this competitive hiring market um, because we are in such a precarious uh, healthcare environment right now with COVID. Do, um, do you have an update on you know, how many jobs are actually offered? Yeah, so we had, let me see, uh, we had, I think there was about 45 or 50 jobs that were offered. I, and again, the surge peaked, and then by the time we closed the, the survey, the, the peak had already started to come down. So there was about 45 or 50 jobs that are hired. About 25 um, nurses were hired from this. And that this is a small window because we kept on hearing from employers, oh, well, I've been, you know, I've I've been interviewing people, and they responded to the survey, but they had applied to us individually. So we also know that there are more nurses who were taking multiple efforts to enter the workforce, this survey, direct applications to employers, and they also got hired at that 
that time, but we don't have the numbers on them. Okay. Well, you know, this morning we did talk to Dan Ross, who's with the Hawaii Nurses Association, but here's what he had to say about um, why we're hearing new nurse graduates complain that they can't seem to get hired in local hospitals. Anecdotally, I know a lot of people that can't get jobs who have nursing degrees and they're working as nurses' aides, they're working as nursing secretaries, or they move to the mainland. It's not even just a specialized training program, just to get in a, in a regular med surge in acute care because they don't have experience. It's very hard to get in this. There's a lot of applicants to every position that's posted. So here are trained people. They've gone to college. They got a degree. They got a license. They can't get the job here. They have to move to mainland. So we're training them up. That's great. We're training them up. So it's kind of like, you know, we hear the same thing with our police department where our police department trains up the police and then they go take better paying jobs in the mainland. And, you know, uh, the one uh, nursing graduate, Stephanie, who we talked to, uh, said that, uh, you know, she, uh, I think, makes about $20 an hour in the job that she's at, uh, and she's got, you know, her license. Uh, and I was looking at, uh, on Craigslist, looking at uh, CNAs, and those are in de- those jobs are in demand, and they're paying $19 an hour with a signing bonus. And so, you know, you, you kind of feel for um, those nurses out there that really want to get into a nurse's or a, a hospital setting. Um, maybe you, you want to talk about, you know, what the Queens has been doing to, to try and, and uh, help train our local nurses. Sure. So, um, you know, when, when um, our nurses come out of nursing school with their license, um, they've just begun their education, to be honest with you. The, the schools do an amazing job laying a foundation, but that foundation is um, uh, really generic in terms of preparing them how to critically think, um, how to uh, assess, how to do the nursing process. But when they actually get into their jobs, it's like uh, uh, it takes um, a minimum for us of a year to really help them um, become a competent, fully independent uh, nursing professional. So we spend at least uh, 11 to 13 weeks up front with a new grad, um, precepting them, hooking them up with another very experienced nurse who they work side by side with uh, 24 hours um, when they're doing their care. And they um, are taught and um, competencies are reviewed and their preceptor determines whether or not they're progressing adequately. And then when they actually graduate from that initial orientation period and start to begin their independent practice, they're still hooked up in what we call our nurse residency program, which lasts for a year. We learned several years ago that um, without that kind of support in their first year, um, our new grads, we were losing anywhere from 15 to 20 percent of them um, within that first year because they got out into the real world, if you will, and found out that this is really difficult work, and um, I have people's lives that I'm responsible for. And in all honesty, this is really scary for me. And so without that nurse residency program that continues to support them through that first year, um, we have a very, very high um, risk of losing. So we dropped our turnover rate of new grads from um, anywhere from 15 to 20% in the, in the uh, first year down to less than 5%. Um, which has just been phenomenal. Um, The other thing that we do with our new grads is we develop specialty programs. So if I'm a new grad and I want to get into a program that um, is telemetry or critical care, um, 
or OB, we have specialty programs that we then put them through after they've got a year or two of experience in order to move into those specialty areas. Now, that's go ahead. Uh, well, Dan was saying that yeah, that that uh, um, uh, a few years back that you folks really um, boosted, you know, the the numbers in in your programs, but then uh, had to scale back somewhat. So. You know, and and it, it's probably the same at, at some of the other hospitals where they have academies or interns. I don't, I don't know um, what exactly you know the terminology is or what you call those programs. But uh, is there any chance that those are going to be expanded? Um, we develop those programs based on supply and demand, basically. So we, if we forecast it, um, and we look at our demographics internally as well. How many nurses do we anticipate are going to be retiring? What's our average? Um, relocation to the mainland because we get nurses that come here and then go back to the mainland. They come with experience. Um, if we see that there's a certain uh, specialty that we're going to anticipate a shortage in, then we increase the frequency of those specialty programs. And uh, anything on the horizon, though, that, that you see Queens launching into to, to either get some of these new nurses trained? I don't, I don't know how many you, uh, you train every year. Um, so every year it's a little different depending, again, on what, what, what the demand is internally and then um, how many uh, new grads are looking for positions. So um, this year, and we call it a fiscal year, so that goes from July through June. So it went from July of 19 through June of 20. We hired um, 100 new grads. Um, and um, the other thing we, we also are always um, – weighing is um, if a unit has two or three new grads on their unit, um, they can't really take five or ten new grads because you have now inexperienced um, nurses and you have to balance that with having experienced nurses in the care setting as well. So you always have to have that backup and um, support for the new grads. So units can only absorb so many new grads at a time um, as they're bringing them on board. But 100 is a pretty healthy number. Um, and uh, it, our goal is definitely to keep our uh, students here. And we recently saw with this COVID surge that we had to hire a whole bunch of traveling nurses, flying nurses uh, from other states. Uh, I think Queens got a number of nurses, and I think Kuakini. How's that going? Um, so those were the federal government nurses. So the VA and Public Health Services Administration um, helped to support um, augmenting our staff. Those nurses have actually come and gone. They were here for two weeks. And what they um, were so valuable in doing is it was really kind of in the middle of our peak. Um, and our COVID patients um, require a lot of extra care. And so um, it was important that our nurses have less patients to care for than they normally do, which meant we needed more nurses to be able to care for the same amount of patients. And so what those nurses coming in were able to help with is um, to allow for that lower patient-to-nurse ratio so that the nurses could provide the necessary care that these patients demand. They require frequent monitoring. Um, they require um, in the ICU, um, what we call proning, which is a, a treatment that allows them to breathe better. Um, just the intensity of care is so much greater, and so having those extra nurses helped um, to cut down on the need for our nurses to do overtime and double time to meet the demand. Yeah, I know we were uh, very concerned when we, you know, were learning that a lot of the nurses were pulling double shifts, and, you know, we just don't want 
them to get sick, you know, exactly. and, and if you were exposed and you were put out of commission, then that just puts a strain on the on the whole system. Correct. Yes. This is Laura. If I could add, I think one of the really val- valuable strategies that a lot of our organizations are taking right now is kind of redesigning how they're staffing. And so they're bringing in nurses who have been working in administration, who have a lot of years of experience, and kind of pushing everybody's cross-training their nurses within the facilities. And so it's not just that they're pulling in travelers because they don't have the capacity or they're not training, upskilling their their hired nurses, but they're kind of infiltrating the nurses that were that had moved to desk jobs or administrative jobs back in. They're cross-training their staff nurses up. So they're, you know, like maybe a med surge nurse is learning how to use a ventilator or a dialysis. So they're training them up. And then from there, there's a new landscape. And that landscape, some of, the, some of them can, some of the roles can be filled by new grads. But some of them, as Mimi mentioned, needs experience. So after you've kind of exhausted everyone who you have available to yourself, then you say, well, where can I get these other nurses? And so that's why we have to bring in travelers. Um, but we also have seen that there's some capacity, capacity to bring in new grads. Um, so it is a, it's a balancing act. And it's really important that we keep that balance because it's so important for patient safety, but also, as Mimi was mentioning, for the individual nurse's safety. We don't want them burning out or feeling like they don't have what it takes. Um, You know, we already had 15 to 20 percent loss of nurses in their first year, so we don't want to put them into a very trying uh, environment like caring for COVID patients without the right infrastructure around them to make sure that they're successful. And Mimi, I know you mentioned that some of those nurses have already left. You know, um, I didn't realize that, that they were gone. Um, you know, we did talk to, like I said, Dan Ross with the Nurses Union. Um, he said that they had to file a grievance over the traveling nurses program last week. It was a sticking point, I think he said earlier in their contract uh, with Queens, but it reemerged again. And it had to do with the limit of 30 traveling nurses under the current working contract. The pandemic, hit, we put our grievances in abeyance, which means they're kind of on hold we waive timelines, they waive timelines, we say, we'll, we'll take care of business and we'll get back to this later. Um, we also signed a letter of agreement with Queens about the pandemic, and part of it being that they can go over the 30, they can bring in as many travelers as they want, as they can get over here, and in exchange for that, none of our members are to be involuntarily laid off. So if there's a low need, because typically in nursing, if there's low need, the census is down, you get canceled, so you get told you're you can either use your vacation hours or take no pay. It's daily layoff, right? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a layoff. It's, it's you laid off for today. So, you know, there's a balance there, but I'm, I was scratching my head because I thought, gosh, if we've got, you know, federal money to help pay for these traveling nurses, why are we um, cutting hours for our local nurses? So, again, it's, it's a complex issue. So uh, let me give you an example. Um, with the surge in COVID patients, we need a number of additional ICU nurses, and we need a number of additional med surge nurses to care for the increased acuity that we need to serve. 
Um, at the same time, because uh, visiting, uh, you know, uh, everything is being shut down, um, including elective surgeries, we don't need as many uh, nurses who work in uh, the same-day surgery areas or the outpatient procedural areas because those areas are closing down. So what we did was we took those nurses and said, how can we prepare you to help with the inpatient census? And some of those nurses chose to do that and others chose not to. What Dan is referring to, I think, is that um, you know the the uh, Hawaii Nurses Association is interested in um, not having as many travelers and actually you know using our local talent as we are. Um, but there are times, um, and we do it every year, where because the, the um, anticipated uh, needs of the community change, for instance, every fall with the flu season, we get a surge in patients that need to um, be hospitalized for the flu. Um, both in med surge and ICU, and if uh, that happens over the course of usually two to three months, and then it goes away. So we can't hire a, fu a full workforce that's going to be with us for a year because we won't need all those resources, but we definitely need them for the two, two or three months. So we do bring in travelers for situations like that. So it's a real and, balancing and act. So it's a and real balancing act then, too. It is a real balancing act. And, you know, um, even so the um, nurses I referred to that the VA and Public Health Services Administration brought in were such a wonderful relief. And we're actually also um, um, realizing the benefit of uh, nurses that the Healthcare Association of Hawaii, Hilton Rayafel, and the Department of Health uh, coordinated through the CARES Act to bring in additional travelers, which started this week and next week, and we'll be with us for eight weeks. Okay, we're going to have to take a pause here to, uh, from regular programming for our monthly civil defense siren test. Stay with us. We'll be right back in a moment.
Here on Hawaii Public Radio, we strive to bring you the best of both worlds. We keep you enriched and entertained with national programs like Exploring Music and Performance Today. And we also keep you connected to the islands with local shows like Morning Cafe, Classical Pacific, and Evening Concert. In fact, one-third of our programming is hosted by HBR's own staff. To learn more, head to our website, hawaiipublicradio.org. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Kahala Hotel and Resort on Oahu, announcing the reopening of their restaurants, welcoming Kama'aina back to Hoku's, the Veranda, and Plumeria Beach House. Reservations at kahalaresort.com. You're back with The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. This is Catherine Cruz. Today we're examining the nursing landscape in Hawaii. Uh, you can join the discussion by calling one 941 3689 Our guest today, Mimi Harris, Chief Nursing Officer and Vice President of Patient Care at Queens, and Laura Reichardt, the Executive Director of the Hawaii State Nursing Center. And, you know, Laura, I do want to circle back to talk about the uh, report that you folks um uh, put out, which basically said that, uh, you know, our nursing schools, you know, University of Hawaii, Chaminade, and Hawaii Pacific University get more applications than they have spaces. Um, here's what we heard uh, from one of our listeners. Hi, my name is Linda Bong. I'm from Big Island. And my question is, if the University of Hawaii is turning away and Chaminade, two-thirds of the applicants for nursing, why not increase the nursing teaching program at this time and supply the education that's needed here? Thank you. So do you want to address that, Laura? Yeah, I love that question. It's a question that we uh, we deal with every day. It's, it's one of the biggest concerns that we have. Can we admit more nursing students into our schools of nursing? And not just UH Manoa, HPU, Hawaii Pacific University in Chaminade, but also UH Hilo, um, which is our fourth baccalaureate and graduate program, uh, as well as all of our community colleges, uh, Hawaii Community College, Kauai uh, Community College, Maui College, and Kapi'olani Community College. So all of our schools get far more applications for all programs than they have cohorts. But as we've been speaking about today, we also need to, you can't admit more students into your program than there are jobs for them when they graduate. And so that's one of the biggest factors. We'd love to admit every qualified applicant. I know that it's a very difficult environment for all of our School of Nursing partners in the state, and they just have so many really qualified applications. I think part of the reason is that nursing is so highly esteemed, not just locally, but nationally. We've been the number one uh, voted highest ethical and most trusted workforce in the nation for 18 years in a row. And certainly that's the case in Hawaii. I think it's also a very trusted and well-respected career for Hawaii residents. And so it shows promise. I mean, I, I made that same choice. I looked at careers that aligned with my goals and I felt like nursing was really the option for me and I was so fortunate. But we can't, we can't have these huge programs that have hundreds of nursing students and then not promise them jobs when they graduate. Um, and even now, we have, you know, we, we hear these conversations, oh, well, you can't get a job unless you've 
go to the mainland. And there's a big shift as well in our environment. So even though there's a lot of interest in nursing as a career pathway, I think people haven't yet included the new picture of nursing, which is that half of our jobs in Hawaii for new grads, but also for existing nurses, exist in the community. So that's long-term care facilities, adult residential care facilities, case management, population health. Um, so there's all these roles outside of the hospital that have you know, that need nurses and where nurses are working today. But so many people who apply for nursing, they think, I'm going to be a nurse and I'm going to work in a hospital and I want to work at the ICU. And that just narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows. And so they also then, even if they get into the nursing program, they um, have limited their idea of what their nursing career can start off as being. So it's a balance. You can't, you can't admit more nursing students than you have careers for, and we also have to help people who are applying to nursing schools to think, okay, well, what is the true picture of my career potential? Um, does that mean that I go into an acute care role first, or maybe does that mean I'm going back to my community and working in a smaller facility or an urgent care center or a same-day surgery center. There's so much diversity, and really we're so different from the nation because we actually have more opportunities in a diverse number of roles than the nation. But we just have to work on that mind frame um, shift with our, with our population that are applying to nursing school as well as our graduates once they're entering the workforce. And, you know, as I looked at the report, you know, you have it broken down and you are tracking, you know, how many male nurses are entering um, uh, the field and, and how many Native Hawaiians are right. getting into this. And, you know, Mimi, I don't know, what, what are you seeing at Queens? What have you seen over the years? Oh, we definitely have seen an increase in um, the percentage of male nurses coming into nursing. I would say at Queens we probably have 12 to 15 percent of our, our nursing workforce is male. And then of course Queens um, by its mission is dedicated to uh, promoting Native Hawaiian uh, health development and uh, developing the professionals. We have um, a strong alliance with um, Ikea Pono which is a, a program out of the University of Hawaii which works to um, support Native Hawaiian students um, getting through nursing school and then into the community. So we're very committed to that. And Laura, can you kind of just go quickly um, on the neighbor islands? What's the snapshot there? The snapshot in terms of there's so many snapshots. Yeah, hiring just uh, you know. <laughs> it, it's, it's actually more promising for for our neighbor island communities because they are smaller um, and they have fewer nursing schools. And so it's very common for the vast majority of nursing students to be offered positions from local employers immediately upon passing their uh, their entry to practice exam and getting licensed. It's a great environment. Um, and actually, if, if nursing students are willing to go to those other islands, often there are more job opportunities than just the, for the local students. It also, I, I should say that because, of, because they're smaller communities, um, there's also that, that closer connection between 
the community and the schools and the employers in general, just because they're very small communities. Whereas on Oahu, there are great connections. And I have to say that the collaboration between our hospitals and our long-term care facilities, our nursing homes, and our schools are so tight. They're they have a really great working relationship, but we just have such a larger population that I think that it can feel difficult to navigate when students are entering the workforce. Well, it was interesting because I, I just Googled, you know, traveling nurses and what positions were open, and they were in places like, you know, uh, Waimea, uh, uh, Kau, Hilo, uh, you know, Kahuku, uh, Lanai City. So, um, you know... the those rural communities still have those gaps where we need to, I guess, bring in traveling nurses. They do. They they have those naps. Uh, they have those gaps. And I'll say Mimi was talking about our nurse residency programs. Uh, we are the first state in the nation to have a statewide collaborative collaborative for nurse residencies, and that's that robust training and support system that she described for nurses in their first year. Um, at the end of this year, we're going to have trained over a 1,000 new, new grads in that environment across our state. But our challenge has been our rural communities and our, our, our non-hospital-based settings. And so we keep on trying to figure out how to get those training opportunities, the professional development um, into those communities because because when you're a small community, you have fewer resources than a very large community. And Mimi, uh, you know, we've got about a minute left or so. Any final thoughts? Um, well, I just, I, I do, before we close, want to say that um, I, I have to acknowledge the uh, incredible amount of work that our nurses across the state, and I, I can personally speak to the Queens Health System, are doing um, in, in support of our community throughout this whole pandemic. Um, their sacrifice and dedication to their jobs, working the extra hours, um, stepping up to the plate, um, you know, in terms of um, they're fearful, too. This is a new virus, and people just don't know what we don't know. Right. So you know, Mimi, I'm going to have to cut you off. We've run out of time, but I want to thank both of you, uh, Mimi Harris from Queens, Laura Reichart from the Hawaii State Nursing Center. Uh, we would encourage our listeners to uh, call our talk back line and leave your comments. And a reminder, if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the Conversation podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow with Noe Tanigawa and the Aloha Friday Conversation. Mm-hmm.